Hello and welcome to Repertory Screenings episode 37. I'm your host, Adam. With me, I'm a regular host, Jackson. Yo. And Destiny. Ahoy, ahoy. And uh, we're talking about movies. Uh, we, we've got so many emails for this one. What if we just pivoted into covering like 90s comedies that are well regarded, but like probably if you watch them in your 20s you're, now, you're going to hate them uh, as our thing. We'll get so many more emails. We'll get so much more engagement. This is clearly the path to success. Uh, I mean, what what other ones are in this are in this vein? Because like, I feel like, you know, uh, Clueless is in this vein, but it's actually good. Uh, I mean, Clueless is Clueless is always one uh, very angry uh, Twitter thread away from being canceled. Don't you worry about it. I guess it. so, but it's really? so much more well regarded uh, than Clueless. People, people, people get so grumpy about the part where she like is dating her st- stepbrother at the end of that or whatever. So it grosses uh, me out too, but that doesn't ruin that movie for me. Uh, this is just what Beverly Hills is like in the '90s. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we could watch Coneheads. We could watch The Birdcage. There's so many movies. Coneheads, Coneheads isn't that bad. Like no, Coneheads I, is not problematic. Coneheads is great. I, I mean, I think that movie's not, not good if you didn't grow up with it. But you and me love that movie. Next, yeah, time, I love it. Next time we're covering Good Burger. I fucking love Good, good Burger. Oh harmless. my god! <laughs> yeah, I love Good Burger. I have. I haven't seen Good Burger as an adult, though. I have not seen it as an adult, but I, me and my brother used to quote that movie at each other all the time. Um, <laughs> God, Good Burger is so fun. We might have to actually do Good Burger at some point. Cause I, <laughs> I just like that one. It's just like an easy one to do. I, the episode's going to be 20 minutes long. Anyway, does anyone watch any movies? I watched the movie Tenet. <laughs> oh, right. Tell us about Tenet. I watched Tenet. Uh, it's very bad. It is a very bad movie to the point of like, if this uh, pandemic had not happened, uh, Chris Nolan would be being roasted right now. Like, it, he's he's obviously a joke now, but in like such bigger ways that don't like reflect his reputation as a filmmaker because film people don't give a fuck um, about like trying to kill everyone. Right? Like, that's not it's not you know being on games Twitter. The film people have different priorities. Cultures different places. Um, and so that's kind of what is uh, going you on. You know what? If if it was if it was revealed that GTA Six was made with prison labor, no one would give a shit. Ooh. <laughs> okay. Yeah, you, maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. I don't know. No, there's never anything like, oh, we can't we can't celebrate Marvel's Avengers Endgame because four million VFX workers had to you know subsist off cereal bars for six months. I, I'm saying the people who care about that in video games are about a thousand people. We know half of them. <laughs> you, you know what? Fair enough. Anyway, I guess we also know the people who care about that in film Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> it's just us. It's just whatever. Anyway, point being, <laughs> that is like a whole different kind of controversy in the way he's a joke right now. If this movie just came out, it would be we'd have a whole different situation where uh, Christopher Nolan released a movie that was terrible and incomprehensible in ways that even like other bad Christopher Nolan movies are arguably bad, right? Like, you know, um, people like uh inception but don't like interstellar because i don't understand i don't under- i don't i just don't understand the like ways that people <laughs> judge cinema i guess but whatever uh it's it's like a it's an action movie with this like weird reverse time gimmick and christopher Nolan is not stupid enough to make this film he needs to be at least 75 percent dumber because the idea of like fighting a guy who's moving through time backwards right that that's a real dumb guy movie um uh what's his name again 
trying to find the director Kenneth of Jeffy's the one. No, oh, no. Kenneth Branagh is in this movie. Yes. Um, He's the guy who's moving backwards through time, right? Um, yeah, but they're all moving backwards through time. They're all moving oh, backwards okay. through time. Um, I'm moving back and forth through time. Through time, yes, exactly. No one says that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but if, if James Wong made this movie, this movie would be incredible. Yeah. Uh, Instead, it's like super serious, perfect. Honestly, you could say that about a lot of movies. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Fair enough. He hasn't, but he's been in the doghouse since Dragon Ball Evolution. Uh, I haven't let him let a movie make a movie since then, despite being a better director than basically everyone in uh, like this scale of movie today. Cursed, uh, but uh, yeah, it's all like shot in Nolan's like very flat po-face style the only emotional hook is an abused wife of kenneth branner who's so like cartoonishly abusive like you heard some of it over the line um yeah that it's just it it's not like anything resembling real emotion right it's just and then the mob guy is gonna scream and be like i own you and then she'll be like no but i need to escape with my son and it, that's the level of dialogue it's on it's just really bad the they don't really do much with the like action concept there's like one chase scene that's okay uh but then the whole final sequence of the movie is like incomprehensible everyone gets into red versus blue style video game costumes and you can't see their faces you can only see whether they're red or blue uh, that is not a joke and they all run about basically like a quarry um oh, like a but not even show. but not even yes but not not in the way you want people to run about a quarry wearing costumes because <laughs> <laughs> christopher Nolan's tokyo would be also very funny um Oh, yeah, it's just, it was just very bad. I watched it purely out of curiosity because, you know, um, I felt Christian Nolan and all that. Uh, but I had to know, and it was just just a nothing, just a big, fat nothing. Uh, I cannot believe he thought this would be the one to get everyone back to theaters. Yeah. Uh, what's everyone else watched? Uh, Dusty, have you seen anything? Uh, you and I watched a couple of shorts. Yeah, so Criterion's December slate went up, uh, you know, two weeks ago at this point. Um, and they have an Afrofuturism series, which is like 28 films and short films. And we watched two of them, uh, short films so far. Uh, The Golden Chain, which is 2016 short. And then, uh, 1968 is less than 2018 is greater than 2068, uh, from 2018, uh, which you can both find on there. Nice. That's, all, um, that's also all that I watched, but you can talk about them. That's fine. The Golden Chain was an animated one about this sort of like scientist who lives on a. I don't know how to explain it. She like lives in a weird bubble house that's surrounding a singularity that she's studying at like the end of the universe. Yeah, and she's all alone except for these proxies that come in. Yeah, they're there's like they're like they're like mannequins but you skype into them and like your face appears on the thing and then you control the the doll so like one is her student and one is i think her lover and it's just sort of her becoming more isolated as she stays there longer Mm -hmm. it was a really um pretty movie like visually very colorful and there was a cat there was a cat and then the other movie was definitely more experimental, just sort of talking about memory and, I don't, 
it, it was a lot. I didn't really understand it. <laughs> uh, it was like a, it was like a series of montages of like footage from the sixties, uh, set to like narrative about space travel and like the idea that like who gets to own a sense of like the past and the future and how that is expressed. Um, and how important it is to like see a future view f- in like black history. Um, it's kind of what I got out of it. It was really good. It was pretty short though. Yeah, it was very, very short. I liked the end credits because it was uh, two different Aretha Franklin performances of the same song kind of cut together. Yeah, time compression. It was very cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and I, I watched those two things and nothing else that wasn't anime. So, you know, not the podcast for that. <laughs> I'm going to have to be better about watching movies between podcasts because I have another podcast where we also talk about the last movie we watched, but I never want to talk about the same movie on two different podcasts. Oh, that's fair. So I, I need to at least be watching uh, up to four movies a week, which is a big commitment. Yeah. Um, all movies. right, let's, let's get into our movies. Let's uh, do it. We watched Clerks this time. It was directed by Kevin Smith. It's written by Kevin Smith. It stars Brian O'Halloran, Jeff Anderson, uh, Kevin Smith, Jason Mewes, <laughs> yeah. uh, Marin Gigliotti. Uh, you know, this came out in 1994. This is a famous film in that it is one of the early, like, indie sensations of American cinema. Uh, it was, you know, filmed for $28,000 in the store that Kevin Smith worked in, um, with a bunch of his, like, layabout friends and, uh, blew him into superstardom, I guess you'd say, for the next 30 years. It's been a long time. Kevin Smith's been around. I thought you were going to say, like, eight years. (laughs) That's rude. (laughs) That's rude. Um, yeah, I mean, Kevin Smith's a huge joke now, but, like, in this era, like, this movie made him as big as Tarantino briefly. That there, yeah, I mean that's the thing I have to understand about the nineties, right? Is that this was all a wave, and yeah. there wasn't the it wasn't like Tarantino, the only serious man standing, which is honestly the funniest outcome of all of this. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't just the two of them. I mean, Destiny knows the stuff more than I do, but I know that that wave is like more people than this. It was Spike Lee. Yeah. Yep. It was um, Christine Vachon's productions, uh, The Queer New Wave, Greg Araki. Um, a whole wave of 90s indie films. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can read the book, John Pearson's uh, Spike, Mike, Slackers, and Dykes, if you want, like, an actual written-in-the-time-of-the-wave account of this sort of thing. I don't know who's interested in 90s American independent film. I was, because I wanted to be Quentin Tarantino when I was a high schooler. Didn't we? Uh, that, that dates me, but I, I really did. <laughs> like, I thought the trick to becoming a filmmaker was to work in a video store because of movies like this uh yeah no i mean for this generation it was uh we'll, we'll talk about when we get to some of this stuff because i think that it cannot be impressed upon uh, people watching this how different the world before the internet was <laughs> yeah even just the fact that they like talk about movies in this movie was groundbreaking like people don't realize that that very like softball conversation about star wars i'm like this is this would been a revelation in 94 yeah even the jaws quotes were kind of a big deal yeah i was shocked at how like 
basic and boring the like the pop culture stuff was because yeah. i i remembered it being a little bit more part of the film but no it's just huh in star wars people in the on the death just like conversations literally everyone's having at all times about every media yeah now. this is just this is just what media criticism is now <laughs> yeah but it wasn't like that before no, no which is hard to grasp if you weren't there yeah, but also you could look at movies like Clarkson and be like, this is where TV tropes and Red Letter Meteor came out of. So actually, it's yes. it's a crime against culture. <laughs> uh, anyway, Kevin Jackson, Smith, answer for your crimes. Jackson, briefly describe the plot of Clerks. Guy works. <laughs> Guy works the <laughs> Guy works the end. Guy works. Uh, Dante Hicks has a job uh, as a clerk at the Quick Stop convenience store. He is not supposed to be there today, uh, but his boss calls him up and says, "Get into work. I'm not going to be there till 12." He is like, "Fine, I'll do it, but I've got to leave because uh, too, I've got a hockey game." Um, he works the morning. Uh, the guy who works the video store next door, who is his friend Randall, shows up late, being kind of an asshole to everyone, uh, while Dante is also being more of an asshole to everyone but like quietly and politely um the boss does not show up they play a hockey game on the roof uh then <laughs> get into a fight with a random guy who wants the store to open who knocks the uh ball into the storm drain and uh they have to reopen the store immediately after that dante's like um oh hey uh, i gotta <laughs> i gotta go to a wake now uh, uh because he finds out someone he knows is a uh, uh, died um, while in the middle of a love triangle between uh, his current girlfriend Veronica and his previous very shitty high school girlfriend Caitlin Bree. Uh, Veronica's like bringing him lasagna at work, uh, and uh, Caitlin is getting married. He finds out in the paper to an Asian design major, uh, and uh, Dante's like, "This can't be. I've been talking to Caitlin on the phone. It was going so well. I was gonna get back with her." And Randall spends basically the entire day calling him a moron for this except uh, except uh after all the like adventures with the wake and the door and everything and uh uh you know a whole bunch of skits um caitlin shows up reveals that she's actually trying to split up uh with the um with the asian design major and she does want to try to date uh dante and dante's like now is the time i'm going to break up with veronica uh and everything is going to be better now uh, and uh tells randall this and randall's like okay uh, are you actually going to do that or are you just going to be be a coward about it and he's like oh, i don't know meanwhile caitlin goes into the bathroom uh which is now dark a bunch of plot reasons and accidentally fucks a dead guy who went in there earlier and had a heart attack uh and comes out completely traumatized as you would be uh and um then dante's response to this is to decide actually he uh doesn't want to be with caitlin this would be a disaster you're right i truly love veronica at this moment randall is currently telling veronica <laughs> that dante has decided to break up with him because he's like ah dante won't make any action himself i'll do it this uh blows up his relationship with veronica all the girls leave he's mad at randall they have a fight uh and eventually realize that he can fix all of these fights by just fucking talking to someone about them and randall leaves and another day ends presumably the whole cycle to repeat tomorrow uh, the That's whole cycle the whole, to repeat uh, for 20 years because 20 years two right because the clerks two proves that they never leave this fucking store uh, they do they just upgrade to a worse they just upgrade well, to a until, corporate chain until clerks two yeah um yeah one of the one of the f most like 
of its era things about there's a lot of things actually but one of the ones that struck me the most is how like this is a local store next to a local video store randall goes to a different local video store <laughs> like the idea that like this is the corner shop that everyone knows it's owned by a guy they could just call and talk to who's like the actual owner is so foreign now <laughs> i mean I, I did get the sense that big choice is a chain video store uh maybe. it is okay but like this is this is the this is like the the end of this era where like there's a there's a the, the grocery store is not a seven eleven or whatever, right? right? Like it's just very weird to see because the, the next movie is he's working at like a fake McDonald's and like the uh, culturally a McDonald's to me is not the same as like a local bodega, right? Because there's like a romanticization of bodegas because they've disappeared unless you live in New York and wonder where everyone else shops. Where, where do they shop? <laughs> where do they shop? <laughs> where could they get food? Um, God. Uh, I mean, yeah, this movie definitely plays as like, <laughs> it's, it's completely unmaterialist in a way that would be, unthinkable to like even in like a general sense of like you know we're communist so movies or whatever but even in the general sense if the culture today made a movie about being a retail worker it would be about how being poor sucks even from like a weird yeah. wrong liberal perspective right that would the be thing, the movie the, yeah the weird thing about this this coming out of like you know early 20 something slackers in the 90s who worked at a store is that like the big conflict is like ah the hidden arrogance of thinking you're better than the customers because you you hate them as they you know come up and ask you for cigarettes every day (laughs) and not the all these people have more money than me and i'm stuck in this dumb job where i'm being exploited by my boss who fucked off to connecticut for some reason yeah vermont because yeah like yes Right, that's good of Right, because yeah, the, the whole plot of the movie is about how much Dante's a coward and an asshole, which is all true. That is just hundred percent canon. Not here to disagree with that. Uh, but the framing of it is strange because it implies that like being stuck, like they complain about everyone, right? But no, it, you could just not work at a convenience store. You know, you we chose to be the awful slackers. That's there the are other jobs. Movie. Exactly. Imagine yeah, putting that in a movie now. <laughs> There's so many lectures from Randall about that in this movie. There's like three or four of them. Uh, it's I, baffling. I think that's ultimately the thing that's the most dated beyond like the tasteless jokes and stuff is the way it conceives of like being poor and work. Because this is a job about middle class people, not poor people, right? But like th- this... The idea of like have like, I work at a convenience store and you know I still live with my parents but I'm I'm getting along okay I'm playing hockey and everything I'm not like Dante is not overworked right he's not supposed to be here today <laughs> but it's not implying that like this job is uh you know ruining him which is not like line up with my experiences with all my friends who are retail workers yeah. Yeah. Uh, and part of that is like, this is, pr- this is the stuff that you care about when you're like a weird, like self reflective, but probably shitty 20 or something working in the store with your shitty yes. dirtbag friends that are making a movie with you, right? Like the, uh, the affectation is, oh, we're all holding Caulfield's, not that, oh, we're all exploited by a system. Right. <laughs> Kevin Smith uh, never <laughs> went through a materials phase. He became, he went from this guy to a guy who's rich who is nostalgic about being this guy. <laughs> Right, that's no. Those are his only guys that he can be. In Clerks Two, Dante gets the girl, and the girl's Rosario Dawson. It's fucked up. It's a crime. 
I watched like five <laughs> minutes of Clerks 2 thinking maybe I'll also check out Clerks 2. I was like, oh no. Oh, this is like bad. <laughs> Immediately. The vibes are just off. And the thing is, like, it would not be impossible to make a movie about being sad in your 30s. <laughs> yeah. Somehow, uh, Kevin Smith incapable of this. The thing is, like, as much as, like, you know, Clerks is a movie of its era. There's a lot of jokes that would not play today. A lot of weird, like, cultural frictions that feel very, like, old-timey. Uh, the very construction of it is like a bunch of skits that are barely hung together by, like, the meta plot is also very old-fashioned to me. But yes. Clerks exists in a space where you can be like, oh, culture's changed, and this is, like, an artifact of its era. Clerks 2 is not that. Clerks 2 was out of touch when it came out. <laughs> yep. What's weird, though, is all my friends who are Generation Xers hold that movie in high regard. Clerks 2? Yeah. Um, I mean, th- they need to self-reflect. Because I liked it <laughs> when I saw it, and then I watched it again a couple years after that. I'm like, oh, no, how did I ever think this was good? Yeah, I had the same thing where the first time I saw it, I thought it was fine. And then the second time I saw it, I was like, oh, this doesn't hold up either. Um, But you know what? I don't know. There's other movies in the View Askew universe that actually I, I still enjoy. So and I I watched all of Kevin Smith's movies when I first got my Netflix account. I was like, what do I do with a Netflix account? I should just watch directors I've never seen. So I had seen Jersey Girl because it was the one that had come out and was on TV. And I, I liked it well enough. I think Jersey Girl's fine. It's much maligned by Kevin Smith fans. But by being a normal movie uh, relative to a lot of things, it, it's fine. I'm, I'm, I will defend Jersey Girl. But it is uh, comical all- in 2020 that J- Jersey Girl was like the, you know, reviled Kevin Smith movie was yes. at one point. <laughs> yes. Um, and so I watched all these movies once and I had like my opinions about them, but like I haven't really re-examined them since uh, almost 10 years, I think at this point. Uh, maybe yeah. it's been 10 years. I don't remember when I got my Netflix account. Oh God, it's probably before that actually thinking about it. But um, it's weird because like, there's movies that I remember liking a lot, like Jay and Silent Bob, uh, Strike Back. And I watched the trailer for that last night and I was like, this is the worst thing I've ever seen. In three minutes, I'm so grumpy about this existing. <laughs> but I remember liking <laughs> it a lot. Uh, I was, I, either I was a dumbass. Well, it's a lot of things. A lot of things happened. The culture shifted. Uh, <laughs> yeah, culture is so different and you're different. Yep. That also weirdly is a movie about how Jay and Silent Bob are like, kind of mad that they got a movie made out of them based on the comic book written about them but not in a like exploitation of comic creations way just in a hey i we wanted to say kind of way yes and then like ends on uh people on the internet are assholes joke yes uh, which is which true, is like, but the way it's played, the way it's played is like, ah, w- the avatars of this rich director are going to go and punch all the commenters who were mean to him. Right. Which is like, it's it, that that sequence is funny to me because like, Ain't It Cool News is a bad place. Yeah. The, the, thi- the thing that is being specifically dunked on in that movie is it would be fun to go beat them up. Like, yes. I was it on is- Ain't It Cool News when that movie came out. And yes. <laughs> It was terrible. Right. It was fucking terrible. <laughs> but the idea now, like, yes, no, no, the director made a movie, and at the end of the movie, two characters, one of whom is literally the director, go and beat up 13-year-olds yes. who are commenting shitty things about his movie, uh, is the big brains. The thing is, of course, Ain't It Cool News fucking ate that up. Everyone loved it. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that. That's the peak of it all. That's yeah. the real fucking core of all of this bullshit, of this culture, is right there. I was going to say, I just enjoyed the um, ridiculous 90s gender politics of both Chasing Amy and Mallrats. 
<laughs> that's kind of where I was going with that, but that's really fascinating. Yeah. Chasing Amy is the one I need to revisit most, I guess, because I'm like, that's the one I like enjoyed most as a normal movie. Uh, but uh, also the most loaded is like, d- that could be a disaster now. Um, well, it's, uh, yeah. yeah, it's got a really, really, even Kevin Smith now is like, that premise is silly. Uh, I hated but, Mallrats when I saw it. I thought it was fucking terrible. I still kind of think it's fucking terrible. It Ma- makes me laugh. I, <laughs> I'm that person. <laughs> Mallrats is a weird movie because... Uh, I don't understand what the, like, what it's saying. Like, that movie plays as, like, a, an extended non-joke about how everyone in 80s comedies is the worst human being ever. But... I mean, but also it's just doing... Yes, but it's also still just doing the clerk's thing of, like, here's a bunch of skits loosely roped together around... What if all these characters hung out in a mall instead of in a convenience store, right? And but he just has so he much has, worse he has, people. He has more money, so he's, like, it's not as, like, interesting to me. Yeah, I mean, the, the thing about Morantz, and the thing that I, like, can't really, uh, I mean, haven't seen it again, I'm sure that movie's terrible, right? Um, but, uh, is that, <laughs> that film is, you know, everyone's awful in it, like, beyond the level of clerks. Like, everyone's, like, a very kind of, not relatable, but, you know, I, I have had best friends who were literally Randall IRL. Like, that They're is, They're just you know, all immature. Like, yeah. Everyone's very relatable, kind of terrible in clerks. Everyone in Morantz is just cartoonishly evil. Um, yes. So Except for, if, like, Jay and Silent Bob, but Silent Bob definitely just uses the force in Mallrats as a thing that happens. <laughs> yep. And, uh, I don't, like, so watching the movie at the time, I was like, oh, this is, like, some kind of, like, oh, clever, he's doing a clever thing. Kevin, Kevin Smith is not that clever. Kevin Smith is not clever enough to make a movie about how this entire genre is a movie, like, a genre about evil people. Kevin Smith likes these movies. He made this on purpose. So it's a weird, it's more it's weird in that way to me. I like the part where the guy has his hand in his butt, and then he shakes that guy's hand, and then he eats the pretzels that he it's so gross. The butt it, it's, hand with. It squeaks me out thing. to this day. Yeah. Every time I think about Mallrats, I, I get like physically ill about that. It's disgusting. It's, it's so, so disgusting. gross, but it's ridiculous. It might, it might be one of the grossest things in movies to me. I don't know why that's the thing. And I like I'll watch like a movie that's like genuinely like gross about like violence and gore or whatever, not be affected. This thing too far. What was Can't that do it. art movie about the Germans torturing people and they made them eat shit? Oh, okay. So um, clucks. <laughs> it's Salo, 180 <laughs> days of Sodom, 120 days. That's the worst thing I've ever seen. Uh, for some reason, Mallrats squicks me out way more than that. <laughs> Mallrats is, that is so much worse to me than Sallow on a, like a gross-out level. <laughs> that is amazing. <laughs> there are statements being made in this podcast. <laughs> oh, I guess anyway. the only one we haven't brought up is Dogma, which I think is one of his better films. I remember um, thinking I Dogma like was Dogma. so fucking boring that I never think about it. It's because instead of talking about fucking, you know, I mean, they are still talking about cum, um, but instead of only talking about cum, there's also just, like, extended, like, bits of weird magical realism, like, you know, Constantine-type stuff. I just remember it all being, like, really, like, shitty, like, late 90s, like, oh, let's talk about religion, but not really, because we're all too cool for it, really, actually, right, you know? Yeah. I I didn't get that vibe at all. I got the vibe of somebody who came from a Catholic background- who wanted to really parse like what it meant to believe and wanted to make a movie about that. Okay. And he put uh, a shit I, monster in it. Yeah, they put a shit monster well, in it. He's Kevin Smith. He's still <laughs> gotta be Kevin Smith. <laughs> still Kevin Smith. Uh, I don't know. I'm very I, I saw that movie so young that I have a soft spot for it. And that's how I feel about all of these movies. Like 
they're not good movies, but I saw them so young that they actually, like, left an impression on me. The part where Kevin Smith, like, as soon as he can, drops his, like, layabout friends for Matt Damon and Ben Affleck is so funny to me as, like, a filmmaking move. I mean, Ben Affleck... But he still makes movies with those friends. I know, I know, but, like, briefly in the 90s he didn't. (laughs) I I don't think that's quite true. But he did, he did, he did pick up, like, you know, Jason Lee and Ben Affleck, right, as his guys. Yes. I feel well, like I, mean, I feel like, like those Brian O'Halloran is in Dogma, isn't he? Yes, but like as a as a little cameo, he's never yeah. he's never like a uh, he never ca- like he never carried on any of the people from Clerks as like front men of his movies, right? Yeah, that's true. He just the gets, only one he just he gets two other shitty layabout friends that are basically the same thing, but they're played by movie stars now, yes. and also I- they were always meant to be stand-ins for Kevin Smith. <laughs> yep. the The only other um. Like the other guy, he probably would put in more movies. Would would be like Randall, uh, Jeff, whatever his name is, Jeff um, Anderson, yeah, Jeff Anderson. But he always refuses to come back. Yeah, it was an ordeal to get him back for Clerks Two. Keeps refusing to come back for Clerks Three. I think it's technically on again, but it's been on and off literally since twenty twelve. Yep. So I'll believe Clerks Three when I see it. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, he's been trying to make that movie for ages. Yep. I bet it'll happen. I think that's almost certainly going to happen. Remember when he used to do that comic book thing where at the end of all of his movies, he'd put in the credits, look out for my next one, like he's fucking Stan Lee. Uh, yeah. That's amazing. We should talk it about Clerks. It was a different time. We should probably talk about Clerks. We've, we've avoided talking about Clerks. Much like Clerks avoid doing anything, <laughs> we have avoided talking about Clerks. What do we want to talk about Clerks? The, you know, oh, there's some good well, bits. There's it was some good filmed, It was filmed at night. While the store he worked in was closed, so that's why the shutters aren't open. Let's just Good. list facts store. we know about Clerks. <laughs> he maxed out eight well, credit cards. Yep, he used his college fund. He used uh, what else did he? The, yeah, like the the cheapness. That's what made these movies so. It seemed like anybody could do it. Snowball is the producer cards. who goes on to be the podcast buddy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Scott Mosher. Yeah. Okay, we have to actually talk about Clerks. <laughs> I'm trying. Um, what do I want to say? I I was surprised how much I still enjoyed it, even though, like, seeing how, like, disconnected from every... Like, I we got a lot of emails in. People hate this film. People watch this and we're like, what the fuck is this? Which, 100% understand. Um, <laughs> but I think a lot of the skits are funny. Like, the, op- the opening, like, whole... Uh, um cancer merchant bit uh, is one of the best bits in the movie that's i think the only bit that is funnier today than it was in uh 2012 when i first watched it's it it's weird because it's like super it's like super hacky as like a yes it's like the punchline that the 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 guy who's yelling about cancer the guy who's selling gum that's like it's it that feels like really work. like it feels like a 70s gag to me and it, like, I thought it was like, like that, could, that could just be in Putney Swope, and I'd be like, yeah, of course, right, of course. <laughs> right, yeah. It feels so, but- it feels so constructed, like as like a comedian bit in this '94 movie about like slackers to me. <laughs> whereas, but whereas, like, whereas, like the, the little girl buying cigarettes, I'm like, this is like the actual humor of these, like these characters. <laughs> My favorite scene that is, this is the actual humor of these characters, is when Randall first makes an appearance in the film and there's that lady sitting outside that's like guy's not here yet i want that movie and he's like well i want that movie and he's pretending to be just like a guy waiting for the store to open Mm -hmm. 
I don't know why that is so funny to me. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, Randall's like such a fucking like. Uh, he he lucks into having uh, Jeff Anderson to play him because otherwise he's the most cartoonish like webcomic type OC guy that's like the he's secretly still, wise He's still kind of that. He's, he's still, still like, but like a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Randall is the guy that I feel like like everybody, every boy who grew up in the 90s aspired to be a Randall. <laughs> right. But they would never, but like when they write the movie about themselves, they write themselves as Dante because they're actually talking about how much of an asshole they are. But they're yeah. really just the like Randall without the like pretense of understanding the way of the world. Yeah, but the way in which Randall thinks that he's cool and is like always doing like a bit is not, it's not that, he's not that good at it. <laughs> the part where he's not that good at it is like really key. Like these yes. characters think that they're being profound and they're not and part of that they're is not. that they're all young part of it is that it's 1994 but part of it is that canonically these characters think they're deep and they're not <laughs> i'm five years older than everyone in this movie i've been having a crisis about this <laughs> <laughs> i'm much much older than 22 yeah. and yeah no. yep. <laughs> a decade and then some <laughs> yeah i don't know because Randall is, like, so nasty. I forgot just how, like, shitty Randall was. Yes. Um, and, like, so, I like, watching this movie is weird because, like, I, I still like it. I don't actually think it's that funny anymore. I don't think most of the jokes work for me. Um, uh, it's weird because, like, it's really inconsistent because I think, like, a lot of the jokes are really, like, dumb and juvenile. I'm like, eh, this isn't, this isn't really my sense of humor anymore. But also when, uh, when Jay puts the sign on the door that says, uh, I eat cock... <laughs> I fucking lose it because it's really funny when it comes out, and then science pointing down to him. The Jay stuff is amazing because, like, so the Jay and Silent Bob brand going into the future is often awful, right? Yeah, as the thing we all understand. They're the best part of this movie. I forgot. Yeah, I, I get it. And it's like immediate. In more rats are like weird, just layabouts. They barely have any yeah. need jokes, right? Yeah, but they're just drug dealers here and they're a very honest portrayal of like guys who deal drugs outside yeah, they, of the convenience they don't have stuff. anything going on they're just loitering and being assholes uh and but like in like their own like they're not like randall likes stirring dante up jay and silent bob just kind of hang out and sometimes that means they start shit but most of the time they're just like dancing or like just chilling smoking whatever like they only start shit in like a fun way because they're like that's what they do like oh it's time to you know mess with the guy who works inside the store <laughs> The way I, I'm, th I'm always thinking about Jay being like, "Oh, I hate guys. I love women." <laughs> Fucking loves that. That it's funny than like all the like constructed, clever jokes. Yeah. Uh, that scene where they they get the tape and they they turn on the boombox and they just dance. Like uh, Jay starts dancing yes. and it gets Silent Bob to dance and Silent Bob's like hesitant, like no, I'm not gonna dance. And then you know starts dancing. It's like legitimately good filmmaking. Like it's an incredible scene because one. Uh, the thing that I feel like is important to this movie is, uh, it's, you know, black and white 60 millimeter. It looks incredible to me. Like, I love the look of this movie. <laughs> yes. I think, I think yeah. it has such a particular look of like independent cinema before that became a thing that like the Weinsteins commodified into like a big deal. Um, mm -hmm. and it just looks great. <laughs> I love yeah. it. Yeah. I can't disagree. <laughs> Um, and so, yeah, them just like having this moment where they like in the dark, like lit by a single light, they just start dancing, uh, is good. It's like, I'm like, man, this is like a beautiful shot. And then they go in and put the sign on the door and, uh, Jay sneaks in and eats a bunch of food while they're arguing about some stupid shit that doesn't matter. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> um, but Jay being like, like, 
a lot of the James Bond brand is like, you know, the slacker wisdom, whatever, you know, Silent Bob's going to say the profound thing at the end of the movie. He does this every movie he shows up in. That's like his whole deal um, is dumb. But like the part where Jay gets that scene, all like Jay also is like, hey, man, like, you know, you, you go with the girl buys you lasagna, right? <laughs> or brings you lasagna. That's that's important. That's what love is. It's <laughs> right. like such like a like he is he is in a weird like life space where he's able to just like say a thing and not get wrapped up in ego in a way that's like feels earnest and good. Yeah. Um, also that Jason uses just kind of a natural. Yes. He's got so much charisma in this movie. Holy shit. It, he's really good. Yeah. It, it's especially as like, cause I, I don't think this is me. Like, you know, shut it with his friends from people he could find. People are not great actors in this movie. Uh, mm-hmm. Randall's like kind of the breakout, but like Dante's bad. Dante's not, Brian Haller is not great in this film. No. Um, uh, Veronica, I think, is one of the weak links of like, ah, oh, this poor girl. She's like, Kevin Smith can't write, write this character, can't direct this character. No, all of her lines of her are so tortured. <laughs> There's so, it's so much more torture than the like dude back and forth. Yes, I, 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 actually, think, I, think, I actually think she does okay with it because they're like, I was like, when she first shows up, I'm like these are the most like, like fake ass like writerly lines that you've given this woman because you don't understand how anyone talks. Yep. What's weird is that a lot of the way women are written in this movie was considered like groundbreaking. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's there is the bit where Veronica and Dante are just like behind the counter, just talking about their relationship, and they get they both get mad at each other over stupid shit about like who slept with whom or whatever before they were together in a way that like is is like '90s in like indie real cinema to me, right? Like this was like this is the stuff that blew Spike Lee up, also like in his like very early movies, just like characters mm-hmm. talking yeah. about relationships in a real way. This is how people relate to each other in the real world. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's it's funny when she hits him in the face for having slept with twelve girls. <laughs> yeah, but like um, you know, uh, Jackson fucking hates Ferris Bueller. This movie exists because there was a decade of Ferris Bueller's, right? I hate I hate Ferris Bueller so fucking much. Yeah. I want him to really? fall off the cliff with the. It's you have awful. the thing where he's just a brat and you can't get over that he's a brat. It's it's partially that, but it's more the fact that his like being an abusive like monster to whatever the guy what's his name who's the guy from Star Trek what's his name Cameron Cameron to Cameron is like treated as like profound wisdom. You just need to get over yourself when you're terrified of your dad and everything. It's actually good you broke by broke your car. What a fucking monster! It's always fine for. Bueller, I hate him. I'm turning into an SNL bit about how much I hate Ferris Bueller. <laughs> no, it's okay. The way Ferris and Sloan interact is like, that's what 80s like teen movies were. And like, you see Dante and Veronica and he's, you know, painting her nails as, you know, she talks about blowing guys and he gets upset about it. Like, worlds apart. <laughs> yes. This is true. Uh, because like, you know, getting a hold of movies was different in 94. This movie blew up. <laughs> I-, I think that scene it also wasn't... like gets across the like strength of and limits of kevin smith writing right in a way that the skits necessarily don't because they are skits uh but this is like him doing real shit like his real relationship writing and he is like at least at this moment in his life before he's become a completely rich guy who before can't talk became the guy who talked about his wife's <laughs> junk and how much he loves it years later exactly i think about that all the time <laughs> we we have a listener shout out to kim who watched this movie really hated it sent an email and then later tweeted this this is the guy who wrote that tweet are you kidding me <laughs> <laughs> uh, introducing kim to kevin smith like all at once has been so funny sorry kim 
Um, but like the thing that's good here is that like the portrayal of Dante as an obviously embittered sh- guy being shitty is like a very um, re- relatable is the wrong word because you know, but like a very like real portrayal of a kind of like shitty masculinity, but yes. without the self awareness to like really understand what's wrong with it. So it's like peak obviously me eighteen years old think this movie's genius because I also shitty guy think you know i'm self-aware about being a shitty guy don't want to be a shitty guy but not enough to like blow that into an understanding of how to actually talk to people yeah um, and, and the that's thing, the, like, the thing with that is that like to me. dante and ron randall just co- like dance around like this idea that they are assholes in like a, in an individualistic way whereas yes. like watching this movie in 2020 the thing about this i'm like oh everyone needs like some gender theory in them now yes <laughs> Both yeah. these need gender theory uh, all the women need gender theory they need to understand that th- they can move beyond this they don't have to live this life it's fucking terrible um the part where like you know we're three queer people two of us are non-binary watching this movie i'm like man this is a movie about how gender kills people <laughs> yep <laughs> yeah because once you once you like leave behind any pretense of talking about the actual material reality of working in a store Mm-hmm. Um, because it's the 90s and it's fine i can yeah. just take out all the credit cards in the world to make a movie i'm not making i'm not thinking about money um and then yeah the movie is just like gender the movie yeah uh because that's what all the like talking about sex really is is just you know gender even stuff even, of- even the even the way that dante and randall like dance around like they only have the framework of like being mean to each other to express their relationship yes because yeah. uh, because they, they can't express like me, this is like extremely men can't express emotions the movie right like they sit around and they get angry about how shiftless they feel because they can't say that they're sad or that they're like they're scared about the future or that they like oh yeah randall i care about you even though sometimes you're like you don't understand me and we should talk about that they can't do that it's not within them i i think that's some of the stuff that like is best about the movie is the fact that it is mostly long very earnest conversations about how they feel like they are ostensibly being open with each other it's not that they're like being disaffected right but yeah their vision of openness is it was not real the, the things they are talking about are not their real problems they don't have the ability to even perceive them even while they, no, they are, are technically they are dancing having... around it by talking about like right. customers and there's a bit i really like i think it's a really smart where they both they both come they're like having like a dick measuring contest about who has the stupidest customers and they there's like this montage of customers talking to them they're the same customers yes <laughs> in that shot yes it's like three customers it's like it's like the guy asks a stupid question the lady's like how much does this cost or whatever and the signs right behind her and then like a third person and they're the same three customers literally back to back in this montage but they can't communicate enough to express that they are complaining about the same goddamn thing they have to just have this weird like ego like stroking like flexing contest with each other do we have to talk about the slacker archetype i guess so it's weird because like i feel like the slacker archetype like predates my awareness of things so i only know of it like remotely well back in the late 80s and early 90s (laughs) I'm playing like there the was this... Simpsons chocolate music underneath this. <laughs> <laughs> there was this uh, stereotype of young people called the slacker who didn't care about anything. And if you did care about something, you were instantly uncool and didn't have a work ethic and uh, didn't want to work. And this was just like if you if you watch movies like Reality Bites and uh, Richard Linklater's Slacker. 
uh, you just kind of get an idea of what it was like to be this sort of disaffected young person who is too cool to care about shit. And then, like, the things you do care about are 70s pop culture and um, what bands are in. I don't know if I'm explaining it very well, but this is sort of what was cool. Yes. This is why, this is why I hate the nineties and the way that Jackson hates the eighties. Like to me, nineties is such a poison time to, especially in like someone who grew up like, you know, in a boyhood where it was like impressed upon you that like emotions and caring about stuff was like the, the worst thing you could do. And actually all you need to do is like be shitty and aggro to people. And that's what cool is. The actual, yeah, it, it, you've made me realize what the other huge, massive hole in this movie is, and it's that no one talks about music once. Kevin Smith doesn't give a fuck. It's got the soundtrack of like, okay, yeah, we've licensed some like some bands for the soundtrack, and you know, it was like part of that wave. Kevin Smith doesn't care. It's so obvious. Why is no one talking about music in this right. movie? That is, that is, it is really weird because like the music feels like it's f- from a movie where like, oh no, right. these are characters who listen to this music and care about the stuff. But Kevin Smith wants to talk about Star Wars, and then like the <laughs> dumbest. <laughs> like in the most one-on-one like what? have you ever thought about when they made the death star they there must have been some contractors who got ruined it's there because there's a difference between like the comic book guy he's yes. not the guy that's listening to the cool yes. band the thing he's is not that, the guy that, that's that, that those are the guys condense, that are i feel like that the started store. to condense downward in the yes. future from here the idea that none, none of the characters in this movie even want to bring, like, making any reference to any, like, music when they're all talking shit is... I guess the, we do have the one. We have Berserker. That one counts. That one's good. But that's... <laughs> Feels so well, removed. Jay and Silent Bob are the guys that are into music. Yes. I don't think it's Randall and yeah. uh, Dante. Yeah. Um, yeah, no. Don, Dante, to me, is absolutely the guy who's like, oh, I don't listen to music. I don't know. <laughs> Whatever. Yes. He has a House of Pain shirt on. Okay. That's good. It's just the whole yeah, movie. I'm it is. Sure. It is interesting to me because, like, you know, um, what's the fucking record store movie? High Fidelity is that it? Right? Del- High Fidelity. Oh, yeah. you're talking about. Oh, okay. Never. Mind. I thought you were going to talk about Empire Records. No, right. you were thinking of the, the John Cusack one. Yeah. yeah like this archetype of this kind of slacker exists, but Clerks is not that, right? Like Clerks is so yeah. much more about like Clerks. Cl- I feel like Kevin Smith would say that caring about the music actually is like the fake shit. That's the posturing, which is very funny given that they complain about customers and Star Wars in this movie instead. Like there's multiple jokes that are just about Randall being like obsessed with porn in a way that seems very weird in like it's very pre-internet way of caring about porn. Yes. Um, um, it's like who gives it like one these jokes aren't funny um i think they're like some of the like worst aging jokes in the movie like absolutely making a, making a joke making a joke about like ah oh, th- this movie's title's about come is so it's so dated it's like an entire other culture in a way that the other parts of this movie don't necessarily feel that way uh, to me i like, still th- laugh at come on eileen i still <laughs> laugh at that every fucking time well, everybody says come on eileen the joke of that scene to me isn't anything he says. It's the obvious jump cut from the wide shot with the little kid in the shots <laughs> to, to where, when to where he's <laughs> rattling the tiles off. And it's only on him and like the shoulder yes. of the lady. Like the kid has definitely been left <laughs> escorted out of the room. <laughs> <laughs> but, but it's, they don't cut like back and forth for it. It's an yeah, obvious no. jump cut to a shot with everyone. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, okay, thank you, Kevin. I took the kid out of the room when he started saying, uh, you know, come 59 or whatever. Yeah. Um, and now we just open up our phones and every third tweet is come whatever and half of them are from <laughs> Kevin Smith. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, uh, it's true. It's so true. It's yeah. It just feels it feels old fashioned away. Even like the rest of the stuff in this movie, which like some of the stuff is like dated in different ways. Like oh. you know, there's there's like a bunch of there's a bunch of like ho- like you know gay jokes and like rape jokes in a way that like that stuff's kind of fallen out of the culture for most people. Like when I think of like twenty two year olds, I think of people who are like really earnest about not ever doing that stuff. People well, who are ready that to like scene from. Oh, go ahead. It's just like that scene from uh fucking Twenty One Jump Street yes. where they they go in and they're gonna <laughs> pretend to be high schoolers the, and they the, come in and they're all homophobic and jockey yes. and all the kids are just shocked. The thing about that <laughs> yes. movie, the thing about that that made me laugh was it was the first movie I saw because like that's what my high school was like. Everyone was like relatively like conscientious and like cared about each other and like I'm like yeah the, I didn't grow up with like media high school. I grew up with like a modern high school where the kids cared too much. <laughs> they're all uh, bunch of nerds. It's called. It's called a generational gap. Yeah. Well, no, it's like, I know. As somebody who hangs out with people that are exclusively like 10 years older than me, uh, it, it's just a generational gap. It was just. <laughs> it's not just a generational gap because I, I went to two high schools. I went to uh, Southern Grammar School um, for most of my time and then I went to a, a college for my sixth form. Um, and the su- Southern, which was a boys' school, was clerks all the time this is just a fucking documentary uh but the the mixed college was much more like normal what you expect from like modern like teens being like you know from our interaction on the internet people being more conscientious not just not necessarily conscientious but like the fights were like about being more correct in a you know people tumblr was out people were on tumblr this was the new world uh and but the boys school was not so like the the different the the gender difference really cannot be overstated here because this kind of shit was was literally just my life at the boys' school, which was one of the w- never go to an all boys' school, please. No one do that to yourself. Nightmare. <laughs> my heart goes out to you if you did. Yep. Um, the MPAA gave this movie an NC seventeen rating because of the language. Mm-hmm. It's very funny which, to me. Yeah, it feels it feels that that also feels like from another era because like I I was I watched this movie and like um. I feel like most of it didn't actually like I was surprised at how like not shocking that stuff was to me. Um it just felt hokey. Like I'm like people just don't talk like this anymore. <laughs> it was totally shocking at the time. Yeah. People oh, saying God. fuck online like, every day. That's true. I feel like the Robert Osborne of 90s cinema sometimes on this podcast. <laughs> Where I'm like you guys have to have the context. It's so silly. Uh, you know, it's, uh, it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you know, it's um, it is extremely of its time. I'm looking at the Wikipedia page and seeing the NC17 bit, bit, and in the most fucking like, oh, what was the name of that book? Catch and Kill, uh, moment ever. I was like, oh right, f- film people, rich people. This is the worst world ever. It's like, oh, Miramax hired Alan Dershowitz to get the film re-rated R to, in the court, and I'm like, ah, oh, ah. <laughs> Nightmare. Nightmare. Nightmare world. Yeah. Do we want to talk about the Do the Right Thing inspired uh, director's cut ending? I mean, we can, I guess. I don't like it. I think it sucks. It is bad. Oh, no, it's terrible, but I just think it's interesting that he watched Do the Right Thing and he's like, well, this is how the movie's going to end. (laughs) I don't see how... There, that's a hum- like it says here that oh he said it was a 
uh, homage to Do the Right Thing is a comedic film with a dark ending. But actually, a guy walking in and just shooting Dante is n- is the most I am 18 writing a script thing ever. Kevin Smith being the person who saw Do the Right Thing is like, ah, oh, this is a movie that just had a surprise dark ending out of nowhere is the <laughs> most, <laughs> is the most is very I'm white. a white guy in New Jersey writing, like looking at movies way of reacting to Do the Right yes. Thing. And here's how I'm going to yes. apply this to my movie in a convenience store starring only white people. Yes. And he also admits he just didn't know how to end the movie. Yeah. Which, to be fair, the ending as it is is like, like, after the fight and they're like cleaning up or whatever, like, it's clearly like the characters loitering around waiting for the ending to happen. Like, what what do we do? Are we done? Are we done? <laughs> I like the Randall ending. yelling, you're the, the, close. The thing I like about it is it has the energy of sometimes you have like a really good night where you're just hanging out with someone and then the 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 part where it's like really good it's like oh yeah this is just like a movie we just clicked this night we had a great time as friends or whatever uh ends and you're like oh yeah we're still hanging out <laughs> still <laughs> I, still hanging gotta, out? I still gotta drive this asshole home <laughs> it, it is the most that this the like ending of this movie is the peak encapsulation of i guess the day's over um, honestly yeah. like by accident because of how it's happened smarter than like structurally than most most of the movie is mm-hmm. uh, i think without the movie ending this way like Kevin smith doesn't happen I don't know if I would go that far. I think that's. I think well, it might be. I think might be overstating things a little bit. You, you think that Morales still gets made if 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 fucking Dante gets shot at the end of Clark? Oh no! Me? I just mean. I just mean it doesn't have to be this ending. I don't think this ending is like profoundly. Oh, well, no, I mean over the, the other one. Said. I mean, oh. if he didn't cut the thing. Mm, I think I don't think anyone would care. Really? I mean, he really? made yeah. a cheap movie. Yeah. He Robert Rodriguez is it. I mean, part of the reason this movie blows up is because all the quotable shit and whatever, like, no one would remember. No one cares. I didn't remember the ending of Clerks in the first place. Uh, I, guess I that's did, fair. but I've seen it an obscene amount of times. So I we, think it would be known as the... movie. We picked this movie because of the joke about sucking 37 dicks. You know what? tried to suck any dick on the way back to the car. <laughs> that uh, line, when I was like... 15 or however fucking old I was when I saw this movie, I thought that line was comedy gold. And now and I'm right. Like, I I cringe. No, I cringe. Oh no, it's it's too good. I'm I'm still <laughs> still fun. like it is, it is bad, but trying to suck any dick when you went to the parking lot is just like a ludicrous line. The, the thing I like is the guy who's just up the against guy? the wall watching this like what? What'd you say? <laughs> yeah. The part of that whole scene that makes me laugh the hardest is the fact that there's just a lady in the store the yeah. whole time they're screaming oh, at each other. Oh, there's a there, yeah, there's a bit where they're yelling about something and they're, like they're having it's Randall and uh, Dante having this big argument and this lady just walks up to buy something after they're like shouting each other about like porn or selling cigarettes to kids something stupid something doesn't matter it's not the cigarettes thing because that's later. Oh, I thought um, it was Dante and Veronica arguing about the dicks. Oh, you know what? It is. Yes, right. There are yes, <laughs> like after after the in a row guy leaves or whatever and they're talking about this stuff just some lady walks up like buying something it's very funny it's so quiet it's yeah. so quiet this is um, what other jokes hold up for this but more importantly i want to make a serious point about that thing which sure. is that like my vision this movie like uh gave gave it's the wrong word but like i had a different vision of what jobs were like i felt like this you are not actually allowed to do the things they do in this movie. <laughs> you do not have the bit like right. If you're a retail worker, the thumb is on you. You don't you don't get to fuck about with your friends. But I had the vision of like, oh yeah, I want to get a shitty job so I can do it, and people will call. I'll do my job. You know, I'm fucking about my friends. The job's not important. But that's just it's that's so the weirdest part of this movie is that you know I- Randall doesn't have a fucking like thing on his app telling him that he can't leave the video store. 
uh, and just stuff like that. It's 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 very strange. But was that true of the was that true even in the nineties? Could you have a shitty job and just kinda of half ass yes, it and have a fun time? Absolutely. Was that was that ever true? Because I, yes. I don't think reaction- that was we I don't can know. Help. I think it's a we, mixture. We've of- got a question about this. Uh, we should probably move to emails. We got a question about this. I had a job where I it wasn't this bad, but I definitely fucked about with my friends most of the time in that job. I'm so I had friends that would get high all day and just work. Like they would get high with their boss and just work all day. So yeah, no, this still I mean, exists. The, what we're describing is like the now vanished non corporate, like you know like low like entry level job right the problem is that every entry level job is for a multinational company and you have to have a college degree <laughs> hell right because i've had like some shitty jobs like you know back in the day working in an office and everything and what my I, what i learned was oh wait there is no fucking about and like it's just a, it's just a bad job i just well, i just is, assumed that was true the of fucking employment, about not the, the fucking about doesn't make the job good the job still fucking sucks yeah the job sucks but there's some there's like some sense of like camaraderie right mm-hmm. i've had those jobs um, well the joke of the movie is you watch the movie and you think oh if only i could play hockey on the roof during work isn't it i don't think well, no, so I'm, I'm not i'm not nostalgic i'm not saying if only i had this job i'm thinking that like my reaction when i like was in, in shitty jobs was oh the world of clerks never existed not the world of clerks existed when i was two and i'm now too uh, young for it uh, i think i, I think thought- it's more i think it's more true that it used to exist and doesn't anymore no wonder everyone who like was born before 1980 is a fucking conservative you lived in a different world do we want to disclaimer not everyone born before 1980 was a fucking conservative <laughs> well no <laughs> i'm just saying this and you were <laughs> no, I'm just you kidding. know what i'm saying I, you know the boom is a state of mind it happens for a reason anyway yes email sorry <laughs> uh if you'd like to send an email or Dusty, do you have anything else do you want to move to emails no, 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 I'm fine. Okay. If you want to send emails, you can send them to podcast at neuromapping.com. They can be about any movie. All of these are about clerks, I'm pretty sure, because uh, people came out of the woodwork to talk about clerks. Uh, wasn't aware. Like I said, we're going to pivot into doing this all the time. Uh, next episode is going to be about uh, uh, Ghostbusters 2. Not a 90s movie. <laughs> I know, but it's, you know, in the culture. I fucking hate Ghostbusters. Too. Anyway, I hate Ghostbusters. I, hate, I, hate Ghostbusters. <laughs> I like Ghostbusters. I hate Ghostbusters. You hate too. Ghostbusters? I, it's funny. It's fun. I enjoy Ghostbusters. I think it's reprehensible. the The problem okay. is uh, the problem is Jackson thought too late has ideology and also knows of it as like a cultural construct before the movie. Um, yes, this is like a, why I also hate Back to the Future. <laughs> yeah. Oh, weird. Um, anyway. Uh, Matt writes in, uh, Clerks is maybe associated with the most awkward Christmas gift I've ever gotten. Uh, my dad used to be a maintenance manager at a lumber mill, um, and Jeff Anderson's older brother worked there inexplicably. One day when I was working there for my summer job, it came up that I like Clerks, so my dad conspired to get me a signed still from the movie, signed by Jeff, and also his brother set up a phone call for me with Jeff. Oh, I also no. declined, but I could tell it hurt his brother's feelings because they assumed I was a huge. They they assured him I was assumed I was a huge Crooks fan. Uh, my relationship with Jeff Anderson's brother got pretty stilted from then on for the rest of the summer. <laughs> Awkward. Oh, um, I'd love to have a cool Jeff Anderson. No one else from Clarks, but Jeff because I I feel like I could bond with him. about, man, Kevin Smith, right? He'd be like, yeah. <laughs> you know? I would love to talk to Jeff Anderson. Um, this is a question about, uh, the humor not holding up, which, you know what? Fair enough. We talked about it. We answered that. So, yep. Um, Hagen writes in, uh, glad you're covering clerks. Uh, my friends and I watched this movie at least 20 times during high school and would quote to each other. Like most high schoolers, we were fucking awful. Uh, what was the movie you quoted the most in high school? 
Velvet Goldmine. Jackson. Maybe I quoted the God, most that's such in a high fucking school. Destiny answer. Are you fucking kidding me? Oh my god. <laughs> it was my favorite movie in high school and my friend's favorite movie too. And we loved it. And uh sometimes I like boys, sometimes I like girls, Mr. BBC. Oh, and I you tell know? you my answer, you're going to shit bricks. So Um I'm well, you do yours first, and I'll do mine. My answer is not quotes from a movie, but quotes from the cast commentary of Fellowship of the Ring. <laughs> Let's fucking Aww. go! Because <laughs> the, pro- the problem is... adorable. My answer is, like, fucking Flash videos. <laughs> oh, Because right. oh, I'm in high so school. so young. Because I mean, my first year in high school was 2005. <laughs> I was gonna say, like, my, I remember in high school the year, the the day that everyone found uh, Homestar Runner and everyone just started quoting Homestar Runner. It was it was two thousand three. Right. We were too cool for that. I, I guess I Hot Fuzz is the next answer. Jer- uh, not jerks. It was for dorks. <laughs> Different considerations here. Yeah. <laughs> I just was not an online high schooler. I was online in the sense that, like, I would watch music videos, but I was not on... Like, I was on message boards talking about Kevin Smith movies, but I wasn't getting, watching Flash videos until my 20s. Getting beaten um, up by Kevin Smith and Jason Mewes at the end of Jay's Silent <laughs> Uh, okay, so there's a bit that was going to be followed up on in a future email, but uh, Hagen writes, One thing I learned recently, George Lucas mentions the Death Star scene on the commentary for Episode 2. Lucas says that the contractors that Jay and Silent Bob are worried about were, uh, Jay and Silent Bob in quotes, because that's not who was worried about it, were actually Geonosians. So although Randall worries about working class people being blown up by left-wing militants, it doesn't matter. They're actually just working class bug people. George Lucas is a coward, and I hate knowing Kevin Smith probably loves thinking he impacted Star Wars. You know what? Kevin Smith's impacted way more Star Wars than just this don't you worry don't you worry yeah kevin I, smith i remember watching and enjoying the kevin smith they're not even stand-up specials they're just him standing up there giving a ted talk about nerd shit about how much he loves comic books and how weird it is to work in film and people just ate it up it's just like a glorified q a i watched fair? multiple ones of those i bet oh my those God, early I ones that better than his movies because i mean him going is, off this is fucking weird a- bruce willis is Still yeah, good. There, there's that. There's that. There's, that's where that weird story about fucking putting the mechanical spiders in the movie <laughs> comes from. Right. Yeah. Because all the nerd shit, embarrassing. But when he's like talking about how completely out of their mind Hollywood people are, incredible. Yeah. Yeah. There's a very famous bit where he talks about Prince in that. Yes. That people when Prince died, people were like, "Remember when Kevin Smith said this?" I don't remember the details. When but will that's like really famous? When will Prince's estate release the Kevin Smith Prince movie that is in the vaults? Uh, they will this is what happens when you don't take care of your shit when you die they will uh olivia writes in uh when i was 17 and spending summers working at a gas warehouse my cousin ned gave me a list of 50 movies from the 80s and 90s i needed to watch in order to understand the classics clerks was number three was he right (laughs) yeah what year was it depending on the year he was right oh I mean, when Olivia was 17, that was, like, Olivia's probably, uh, I don't know how Olivia's, I'm sorry, Olivia, I'm going to guess that you are, like, 23 or 24. Oh, then he was wrong. <laughs> so this was, like, this is, like, 2014, probably. Um, Goodness. I mean, oh, what, I need to know what the other movies are, because there's so many more wrong answers. So if you What wanna, was number one? Please write in. Uh, it's interesting, because I feel like you need, like, functionally entirely different lists for the 80s and the 90s. Um, 
I understand that in the middle there, like right, you know, like eighty-seven to like ninety-three, there's a lot of overlap. But um, what are the, if you if you wanted to understand the nineties, what's Forrest Gump number one? That's the movie you need to watch. People fucking lost their minds for Forrest Gump. No one's talked about Forrest Gump in twenty years for good reason. That's it's fucking it's terrible. Awful. Yes, I that but you need to understand it. that it was so popular and ubiquitous. Yeah, for years afterward. I I have it. I I need to. This is suddenly reminded me because we watched Forrest Gump a lot at school, um, and uh, the actual answer to the most quoted movie at school was a uh, religious movie uh, or like a religious PSA thing that we happened to watch in RE uh, about the troubles in Ireland. I can't find this movie to save my life. Great. Um, so I have no idea what it was, but the line uh, "your uh, your dad is dead, Billy. There is no God" has been quoted at my school uh, at Southern Grammar every single. <laughs> Single day it's from two thousand and six. Uh, also, obviously, good. in a very offensive Irish accent, I did not redo. That's fine. I mean, it's just it's just uh, mom's dead parkour for a bunch of British children. <laughs> we went to, that. That's the thing that got quoted. None of the classic movies. The fucking bullshit we watched in class, and it was someone saying that your dad is dead, Billy. There is no so, God. The, I know that the obvious answer for quoted movies is always Monty Python and the Holy Grail, but that was junior high for me. That's when everyone discovered Monty Python and the Holy Grail in my life. Oh, when I was in junior high, it was Mel Brooks movies. You, I don't understand the life you led, <laughs> Destiny. <laughs> We just you had are just very a, you're specific... just a cartoon child. <laughs> we had very specific tastes. Um, Olivia's second question: Are any of the men in Clerks hot? No, not even the guy that comes in that's supposed to be hot is hot. That guy is maybe the least hot guy in the he, entire. Yeah, movie. he's the least. Hot. The 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 um fucking shitty guy who's selling the cigarettes stuff at the start. He's kind of hot, like not like amazing, right? Like you know, everyone's very normal here. I don't want to be. Mean. I am going. I am going to obliterate myself. Just throw it out there for everyone to laugh at. I think Jason That's Mewes' good. movie looks alright. He's alright. He's got charisma. <laughs> you know charisma what? counts for a lot. Yeah. He's he's a good looking guy. The thi- especially the weird, since he got the weird sober. thing about this about this movie, and I think this is probably true for all of them. But watching this was really striking. When you get the big like uh, Silent Bob speech. Uh, Kevin Smith looks fake compared to everyone else in this movie. His beard's like just a little too nice, and his hair's just a little too straight for the guy that Silent Bob is. Yes. <laughs> um, and then Olivia's third question: Which do you like better, Jedi or Empire Strikes Back? Important. Which one is which? I can't remember. Empire Strikes Back is a five. Jedi is six. I like Jedi. I like Empire Strikes Back. Uh, even granting that I think that the Han and Leia stuff in Empire Strikes Back is mostly bad, and I, I'm i not even into the Yoda stuff as much as everyone else, uh, they do fly through the asteroid field, and it's better than anything that's been in the original Star Wars trilogy, like, straight up. This is my thing as well, is that uh, I don't like Empire Strikes Back. I think that movie's kind of weak, but only in comparison to how much everyone else goes on for Empire Strikes Back. I think yeah. everything with Han and Leia is almost unwatchably bad. The Yoda stuff is whatever, but then you know the asteroid fight, the um, the big ATAT fight, and the like final fight in Cloud City, all all like all good. That also good stuff. Lando, Lando in that movie rules, and Jedi Lando is such a disappointment. Like across such a the disappointment. Board. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so I think I'll I go like Empire, the but Yoda I'm, stuff. Yeah. I want it. I want it known that that's closer than it should be. But Jedi also has a bunch of fucking bullshit in it. I'm honestly surprised they avoided talking about the Ewoks in, the, in Clerks. They, he says the thing about them being Muppets. Muppets. Yeah, but yeah. they don't really go into it. Uh, the part where the part where Randall doesn't like Muppets is the most. The fact that a nerd would be like really into Star Wars but hate the Muppets is to me indicative of the '90s. Yes, yes, because l- nerds love the Muppets. As a nerd, I love Muppets. 
Um, Kim writes, and I'm just going to read all of Kim's email because Kim went through it watching this movie, Blindsided. <laughs> if you don't know, Kim is, Kim is one of our friends who just recently turned 20 and thus lives an entirely different life. Like, just categorically generationally separated even from like me and jackson um individually it's weird it's a lot <laughs> it's good i like it i love it um but anyway i think i hate this movie it's people quietly hating each other for most of the runtime and then loudly hate each other for the big finale there's a possibility especially in the movie that might make me think more kindly if not for the fact that there's a clerks 2 and a clerks 3 on the way people hate each other and suck and can't change forever Looking at the Wikipedia page for Clerks informed me of an original ending where Dante gets shot and dies, which would have been infinitely better. We don't agree with this. Sorry. I don't think it's good. Uh, because then there yeah, would have been a fucking Clerks too, which you know what? Fair enough. That's a valid point. Uh, on its own, I think the movie could just be awful with a few funny jokes and a fine ending. But even knowing of the existence of sequels makes it feel so utterly empty. And learning the director was Silent Bob makes me just want to punch him in the face even more. I feel like I'm too young and too old for this movie at once. Sorry. There's no question. I was just mad at the movie. <laughs> well... I think the low budget thing is what makes the director cameo so cute to me. I think I've always liked the director cameo. I like when Hitchcock does it. We, I like when Tarantino the does thing it. Is, like, the I, thing is that uh, Jackson made a tweet today that is like, which director are you? Are you the director that put your character, your, yourself in the movie to say profound things? Or are you the director that put yourself in the movie to say the N-word a bunch? This was awesome. This was awesome, not me. <laughs> Was it not you? I thought that was you. Not me. That was not me. Was that it? was Autumn. Oh, it was Autumn. Sorry, Autumn. Apologies to Autumn. But yes, uh, Tarantino does, every time he casts himself in the movie, he casts himself as someone who says the N-word a bunch. Yes. He does. And when I first saw Pulp Fiction, loved it. Thought it was, as a black person, thought it was hilarious. <laughs> now, questions. I have a lot of questions for him. Uh, yeah, you're allowed to say that. We're not. <laughs> but I, um, oh God, I don't know. I, I don't mind the director cameo. It doesn't bother me the way it bothers other people. Did you, I don't, not to complete I, go off on a tangent, uh-huh. but did you see the news that Kevin, not Kevin Smith, <laughs> be funny, that Tarantino is contracted to now write a novelization of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? Like he actually, he ha- actually he's has to write, write it. He's writing it. He is writing a novelization that, and also his like book about seventy cinema. This, but this is like his pet project. Is he's we doing we need to cover that when that comes out. I think. Oh, but uh, I just like that life. movie. I hate that movie. I know. I fucking hated that movie. The idea, I, Tarantino writing a fiction novel to me is like fucking bewildering, mind shattering. Because I've read Tarantino's scripts. That man cannot write a novel. There's no way yes. in hell he could write a novel. <laughs> and he's writing a novel about his worst movie. Is oh. that true? No, no, no. Yes, his worst like, movie. Like, I would read a Kill Bill novel. Um, Not by him. It, uh, I think I think it's his worst movie, like, thematically. I think Hateful Eight's a worse movie. Nah. No. I watched them both pretty close to each other. No, I like. I, I like. Look, there's no. Eight. There's no hangout shit in Hateful Eight. I like when the characters just hang out and once in Hollywood. I hate when he defends Hollywood awful bullshit because he's so I, infatuated with it. I think the like slow turning of everyone being shitty to each other in Hateful Eight is just better than the hangout shit in a once upon a time in Hollywood. Brad Pitt almost gets murdered by the Manson family. It's fucking incredible. <laughs> no, no, he's like, too dumb. he's like, he's like, oh shit, this is terrible. It, 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 that scene ends really poorly, but I do like the build to that. And then it's like, no, he's real Hollywood. He's going to kick their asses. Uh, like John Wayne fucking dick riding bullshit, which sucks. Tarantino's a moron. <laughs> Tarantino's a moron. He's truth. a moron. 
All right, Rick uh, writes in, watched Clerks once, liked it, but it was never a thing I go back to. The animated series, however, is a thing I watched a bunch yes. of times, and the Kevin Smith thing I've seen the most. My question is, what's the thing where you are, like the thing okay, but like the side version of it way, way, way more? Do I, I have know there's an place? answer. I have to think about it. Because there's, there's a bunch of, like... Things I watched the uh, like cartoons as a kid that count as this, right? Like I watched a bunch of the Evolution cartoon, and then eventually I saw the Evolution. Yes, and then eventually I saw (laughs) the movie and was like, "What the fuck is this?" They're almost entirely unrelated. You know, I grew up. I grew up as a kid loving the Beetlejuice cartoon. I didn't see Beetlejuice until I was in my like early twenties. That was a wild experience. Really? (laughs) Yeah. I wow, y'all just did it all backwards. I knew about <laughs> this is this is purely my age, right? But I knew about Jackie Chan as a character in Jackie Chan Adventures <laughs> <laughs> before I knew about um, you know real ass Jackie Chan. Real ass Jackie Chan. <laughs> oh, here's another answer, I guess. Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> oh right, Kingdom Hearts. Kingdom Hearts. Um. Yeah. I mean, it depends on how you how you define tertiary, but like, I like the Animatrix more than the Matrix. I like the Matrix Loaded. Matrix Loaded counts, though, I guess. As, I like, don't have an answer to this question. I feel like I was always there for the thing. We like Enterprise more than basically any other Star Trek, and that's the most tertiary <laughs> you can get. <laughs> but it's still uh, yeah. Star Trek. Yeah, that's the thing. Is like, I don't do a lot of cross media stuff because I, I most of the things I liked as a kid was before that, and then after that, I just. Because I do, th- I've been doing this job for ten years. I don't think of things like that, right? Like mm-hmm. the Fargo TV show is pretty you good. Really, you That's really the like closest that, yeah. answer I have. It's it's not better than the movie, but it's 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 a different thing. It's a completely different thing, and I think it stands well on its own. I should try to watch that. I guess one day because I watched the first fifteen minutes, which is not enough for time to judge a TV show. But I was like, I cannot even close to take Martin Freeman seriously in this. <laughs> oh, skip the first season. Uh, you don't have, they're all standalone seasons so you can just watch like there's little tiny things that connect them but they're not important enough for you to have to watch the first season to get the show mm-hmm. uh crass writes in with with a bunch of real real good questions just mm, choice uh what if ghost of tsushima called it smith mode instead of kurosawa mode <laughs> that'd be That's pretty rejected. funny be pretty funny. Uh, is Clerks 2 Kevin's Ran or Sanjiro? I haven't seen either Ran or Sanjiro, so I can't answer this. Sorry. It has to be Ran, because Ran's his, like, color opus. Oh, right. Yeah, fair enough. Like, like when I hear about I haven't really seen the Ran, camera. but when I think about Ran, it's like, everyone talks about it, it's like, yo, the colors in that movie? Goddamn. Um, we've got we've got an email from Sean. Uh, have a sauce of this movie being formative in my upbringing. I don't really enjoy Kevin's current works. I grew up in New Jersey, still live there. Over the years, I worked at both a convenience store like Dante and later a video store like Randall. Watching Kevin Smith's movies as a teenager got me into movies. Thinking about them now, thinking about the content of the movies actually is. I feel like capturing a specific moment in time when this was life was actually like. I used to sit around with my friends working shitty jobs and talking about Star Wars movies. We went deep thoughts on things like Randall's Death Star contractor questions. We did all this stuff. Um, and then the most, uh, I think looking back, I enjoy Kevinson's dialogue writing in the same way that I used to enjoy the works of Aaron Sorkin and Joss Whedon. Yeah. Those guys are of a type. I think, I yeah. think those guys are of a type, even though it's very funny on all, like across all axes. Yeah. 
Um, As somebody who still loves Joss Whedon shit, I have to the, admit that the this thing is, is where I, I stand. love Buffy and Angel, but every episode Joss actually writes, I can spot it from a mile away, and it's like one of the. It's always an episode I don't like. I'm like fucking this dude showed up with See? his Green Lantern references to ruin the show I watch. <laughs> I love it. I'm like, oh, it's a Joss episode. That means it's gonna be this, and it's like so stupid. It's so stupid. Uh, anyway, uh, Sean finishes with saying that uh, he finds Randall much more redeemable than Dante. Uh, because, you know, at least he's not roping women into his stupid life, uh, <laughs> the part where if this movie came out today, obviously the language have to be updated, but everyone would be a Randall Dante shipper, like 150%. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> but like that energy exist. just isn't in that movie and like it probably exists. I'm sure people do it, but I feel like it's not in the movie at all at this point. Cause it's 94. That's more of a, uh, Brody, what's the what are the characters in Mallrats? It's more the characters in Mallrats. Oh, you know what? Yeah, I see that. Yeah, the two guys. I can't think of their names all of a sudden. Brody mm. and Quint. Yeah. Uh, ba, ba, ba. uh, Tron writes in. Uh, who's your favorite character? It, hmm. Uh, Jay. Yeah, I guess like yeah, Jay. Yeah, mine's probably Jay too. Uh, if I had to pick a main character, I I Randall's the worst, but. Randall. I um I I think if I had to pick a main character, I think I'd pick Dante. I he sucks so fucking much. I just love a character who sucks. <laughs> he sucks. He was not supposed to be here today. Um, what's your favorite looking shot and scene in the movie? I'm gonna say Jane Snowbob dancing. I think it's fucking. Cr- oh, uh, another one I want to shout out is when he's on the phone, uh, like calling and finding out that uh the boss went to Vermont. I think that's just like a really good like long shot. I think it looks great. <laughs> The long shot for me that's really good, and I don't know if it's only because of like how the movie's made that it sticks out to me, but it's mm-hmm. it's uh I think it's the scene where the guy the like personal trainer comes in. I think that's the one. Yeah, because it's it's where the, the, the he gets to hear um, the like notice from the guy yeah. uh, about this. And, but it's it's the first long dialogue scene set when it's dark out, so they can have a wide shot with the door in frame. <laughs> Because they couldn't do the door in frame for any of the other shots because they're filming it. They didn't close the store to film this. Uh, and it's just a much better framing than the other, like, much more, like, straight-on frames they have to do because they can't angle it too far. Yeah, I will say, if you like that scene, uh, please, please go watch some Robert Downey Sr. movies. He just made that. <laughs> but it's, oh, like, yeah. full yeah, films. Please. They're incredible. Honey just, swope. Just please like watch guy... Honey Swope. In which, in which way of like guy being like, um, just kind just of- like this, like just like this, like excruciating, like like hell of the mundane, where like it's just too, it's like three things that would be really annoying but like relatable experiences on their own, but they all happen at once, and so it just becomes like this huge farce. Uh, that's are, just are they swap. happening to the most hapless guy? That's the that's the key here. In Putney Swope, no. Yeah, Putney Swope okay. is pretty competent. Yeah. Okay. Because the 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 parts where Dante's best in this movie we, are just the reaction, you know what? Like the black we're going to do Putty Swope in a couple in a couple episodes. Right, I think. I think we're just going to do it. Yeah, it. yeah. yeah, right. um, yeah it's we not next episode. We have next episode picked out, but we're going to do it. It's fucking good. Um, uh, okay. Um, and then trying to ask, uh, funniest moment, single funniest laugh in this movie for people. It's it's for me. It's always thirty seven. I fucking love it. <laughs> it's a, a picture of a cancer ridden lung. You can keep it. <laughs> <laughs> that one is really good. <laughs> that one is good. Um, 
Uh, uh, I don't know exactly. Did he, that guy just say making fuck? <laughs> <laughs> Here's the thing. Uh, one of the, I will admit this. Uh, I that movie's that song sometimes comes into my head. And I think about it. I thought that that was just a song. I didn't remember it's from this movie. Yep. What song? Uh, Berserker. Oh, you didn't know it was from this. Movie. Every once in a while, just it'll just come into my head as songs do, and I'll be like, oh yeah, okay, some metal song. I don't because I, I don't really know rock music or anything. You know. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, I think um, I'm. You know. I think I'm the di- and I don't think I don't think the well. lyrics "My love for you is like a truck berserker" are that like it, it, like obviously parody. Irresistible <laughs> <laughs> metal shit. Yes, yes, they are. Uh, Not that and, and, the real stuff is better. Just the vibes. Oh, off. I also laughed at the guidance counselor line. That one's so weird because I like that scene, but I'm like. This is such a '90s way of thinking of guidance counselors. I'm yes. like, I, like these days, I'm like, that's the most thankless fucking job because you, you're being asked to t- get these kids ready to go into the workforce, but actually, you got in this job because you actually care about their futures. But you can't do that within your job framework. Uh, that might be one of the biggest like dud scenes in the movie to me because it doesn't have the framework to engage. Like that movie, it's neither doing like the point of that scene isn't the uh, you know, it isn't meant to like be self reflexive on the clerk no it's like Like, oh guidance counselors isn't that a fake job right like it's just like it's just like kind of simple joke on the face of it but it's too loaded it doesn't realize what it's playing with there as someone who like thinks about what jobs are well like i just and this is me being the most basic movie watcher i just like when he's doing all the silly things with the eggs that part is great i do like what they're talking over because it's the part where he like he puts the eggs out he's he's like oh no this isn't gonna work and then just starts smashing the eggs against the window it's really funny yeah Uh, no it's good uh here's the question uh have any of you worked at a convenience store before could you relate to any of the frustrations dante and rondo have doing any job you used to have i had a job in college where i worked and underneath one of the dorms was like a little bodega slash like it had like a food order thing where you get fries or you know burgers or whatever and i worked the getting fries or burgers like short order cook stuff and that was a job where when people weren't ordering things my friends would come down and we'd play pokemon and i'd be reading books and mostly just oh yeah you need fries okay give me a second let me finish this paragraph and i'll go cook your fries (laughs) it was fucking great shitty job i made no money doing it but like it was this it was just sitting around and bullshitting with people who came in to buy food and uh hanging out and being like oh yeah i get off in three hours i guess i'll just sit here i've never had a job like that the closest thing i've had like that was i was an assistant to the dean of women and gender studies at my university and all i did was sit on the computer and just talk to em all day yeah that's true i remember that my job now uh is like a real office job where i I try to like do my work but if you are on the discord or you're you know you're interacting with twitter between the times of 6 a.m and 4 p.m any day i am at work i'm doing my job my day job and i am bullshitting with you the thing that happened is i offloaded this experience to like it being in a discord (laughs) yeah I mean, I'll, I'll, you'll call me usually with about three hours left in the workday a lot of days and be like, yeah. you must entertain me now. I'm out of podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> I would kill for a job where I could slack a little. I don't have that at all now. It's fucked up. Yeah. No, I, the, the jobs I have. So the thing for me is that my, my big job, like, cause you know, I've mostly been a student and unemployed and disabled, uh, which is its own hell. But, uh, the part where you're not working a job, honestly, I guess no right to complain. Um, 
but when I, I was working a job, I had a like uh, this office job in an admin office working minimum wage doing like database management uh, for this awful company uh, that did like taught other companies how to use Microsoft Word and shit. Uh, so just the most fake consultant job um and i was in the admin room and i was always bothered by how much the like i was hoping i'd be like shitting with people bullshitting with people but um i wasn't everyone was like brilliantly no we are doing the admin stuff and i will well, you know that everyone was like professional and we talked but people were earnest you know how you know you know people on twitter are like talking about like oh no we've got a lot of passion for this video game whatever imagine that but like for teaching other people to do Microsoft Word. It was dark. It was a dark job. Mm. That's my memory. Okay. Um, we've got a long email from Nora. I'm going to try to summarize this a little bit. So, Nora watched this movie and had heard about it but never seen it. She only knew it was Kevin Smith, mostly as the guy who cried when he saw the Millennium Falcon set at The Force Awakens. <laughs> it's very funny. Me. That's so weird to me. Um, and so Nora goes on to say that uh, Zoo was like, ah, I'm surprised how tangible the ego was. Every line is dripping with clever and cool. Uh, there's this surreal quality of the way people talk, like there's some kind of truth that only Kevin can impart to us. Uh, later down, uh, Nora ties us into like South Park as like this weird, like, uh, like a loo- like removed aloofness. I want to impress upon anyone who is maybe a little younger. This is what culture for like cool was from like the eighties through to like 2003. Yeah. This is just it. This yeah. is, this, this is what everyone was aspiring to. It's not just Kevin Smith. It's a lot of people. <laughs> yep. It's, and it's like Tarantino films are not, not this. They're, he's no, like, no, they better they do this to like a meta layer, right? Like yeah. his whole I thing. I mean, that, his whole, his whole thing is that breaking out the, the movies that he loves is how he subsumes this cool into, like, references and, like, one-liners. Also, yeah. Reservoir Dogs literally begins with, you know, let me tell you what that convergence about. <laughs> like, yes. <laughs> yeah. It's the same. It's, like, the same thing. Yep. Um, and so while I, 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 I think it's it's good that people are not into this anymore. I think it sucked. Uh, I, I, it was terrible to grow up in. I was really repelled by a lot of 90s culture because of this. Um. You know, I think it's I think it's one of the reasons that I, I am non-binary now is because I grew up a boy in the 90s and I fucking hated it. I thought it was the worst experience in the world. Um, <laughs> I real bad. don't have the hate of the 90s, but only because I didn't embrace the caring about things isn't uh, cool, sort of. I embraced something else. Like I've heard you talk about music. You embrace that a little bit. Don't pretend you're <laughs> uh, about it. Well, like, okay, yeah, earnestness, I guess. But, like, I don't know. Uh, I don't have the same, like, disregard for 90s culture, I guess, mm-hmm. that you have. Well, I, it's not, like, at this point, it's not disregard. There's stuff, like, you know, I mostly enjoy Clerks. I'll watch something from the 90s, but, like, I still remember how much things in the 90s, like, bothered me and how much it contributed to a culture where, like, the whole point was to be above shit, and it sucked. That was everyone. It was so, I mean, and that extends into, like, early internet culture. Like, the fucking something awful people are still out here, and they grew up on this. And yeah. they will tell you every time. That, oh, actually, this thing on the internet you're annoyed about—it's like super secret, something awful. Law. Look at me, I am the knower of things, and I hate them every time. They but do I'm it. over it. But I'm definitely over I'm, it. It's just I'm funny that now. I know that. It's funny. I was in the cool club 30 years ago. It's fine. Um. <laughs> anyway, uh, Nora Nora writes in a bit about the Death Star. Uh, second Death Star is actually mostly built by droids with a few human crews. Um, it would make sense to me that this complement of humans would not be an ordinary ask of the Galactic Empire, especially when they have millions of slaves. <laughs> um, 
this skit's like two steps removed from a thing I used to see all the time. People are like, if you think about it, the Ewoks got totally destroyed when the Death Star blew up and rained shrapnel on their planet. Uh, yep. <laughs> I heard I heard that one as well. Oh. That was the yep, classic. And, and I, the thing I, I have to that. the thing I have to uh, impress is no one was t- no one in movies was talking about movies. Meta 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 commentary didn't exist in popular culture. Uh, we have all was even us who hate it have all seen at least fifty hours of crack.com like videos back and forth. I don't think I have, but like I have my own version. Equivalent of this. type. Yes, yeah, like, I read I, the lists. Yeah, right. I just mean that like. This we see this every day more than we see real movies. Whether we want I read, to, I read. I read so much Sean Baby back in the day. You fucking kidding there me? There it is. There it is. I, I watched. Yeah, the- I watched every angry video game nerd between his launch and like an embarrassingly more recent time than you would think. <laughs> the nineties just it loved the postmodernism. Like it just came in and we were enamored with it. Well, it's also I think a lot of this is like this is the era where people first got access to like unlimited media. Like it really expanded with the internet, but like. You know, Kevin Smith and Tarantino being able to work in a video store and seeing VHSs because VHSs were a thing that existed was a new thing. And so they saw all this old shit and could talk about it and wanted to talk about it. That is not what the culture was for most of, like, modernity as we define it, right? No. Exactly. Even, like... But now now that's just just posting because everyone has access to everything. (laughs) Right. Um, anyway. Uh... Anora asks, "What's the most irresponsible thing you've done on the job?" Uh, Anyone got anything? Just, Mine's just really being on a Discord most of the time, getting into fights on Twitter when I should be working. It's the worst idea. I do it all the time. Yeah, uh, just having episodes of Unsolved Mysteries on while I'm working from home. Uh, you know what? I definitely, I definitely absconded with a few uh, uh, sale items when I worked that shitty job as a teen in college. <laughs> That's awesome. I definitely, because that job ended at like midnight, would uh, walk out with a, the, you know, an energy drink and some caffeine pills to get me through the day. I was I had a bad college experience. <laughs> uh, so checks I dropped out. Yeah, I didn't have like the like retail thing. So the closest I guess like being in a meeting and uh, ordering games when I yeah. meant to paying attention. <laughs> Uh, and then we have some questions from Joe. Uh, is there a mo- is a movie director, screenwriter, or film that is an extreme indication of how you felt through or thought when you were younger? Jackson's not allowed to say Aaron Sorkin. Um, I mean, I, Kevin Smith is, I guess, I, the, the, the like the, the the Kevin Smith story for me that is funny is that uh, I watched Clerks. It's like one of the first like. Uh, you know, getting me into movies at 2011-2012 time. I was like, I'm going to be uh, a movie writer. And I was like, what, writing my own screenplays. And then inspired by specifically Kevin Smith, because I hadn't seen a Tarantino movie at this time, then wrote like, what if this was a crime movie and ended up literally just writing scenes with Red and Dogs without realizing. <laughs> like, I, I did the, I, I did the, um, why I gotta be Mr. Pink scene, but they were complaining about being chess pieces. The guy being poor, the guy who was pawn was like, why well, I gotta be pawn? And then I sent it to people and they're like, this is just Red and Dogs. I was like, what? What's Red and Dogs? Pure comedy. Um, mine is probably like, uh, Wes Anderson movies. That's a good one. That's me as well. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Definitely aged out of that, but there's there's definitely a period where I was like, Rushmore really describes what it was like to be a teen yes, and precocious. Specifically, Rushmore and relating a <laughs> Rushmore lot to him. It, it was such a big like mark of something of my youth. I mentioned it in my when my high school best friend got married. I mentioned Rushmore in her wedding speech. Yeah, it was good. 
God, I I love Rushmore so much. <laughs> I, I still love Rushmore. I still like it. Different way than I did when I was 17. Same, same, same. Um, There's a question here about Chasing Amy. I, I, I want to revisit Chasing Amy. I feel like everyone here would want to revisit Chasing Amy before we commented on that. Maybe that's the thing we'll do, not as an episode, but not just to episode, do and yeah. come back and talk about it at the beginning of uh, one of these. What's the question? Uh, it was just thoughts on Chasing Amy, and uh, oh. Olivia made a thread about the homo romanticism in Clerks, and uh, Joe was like, oh, a lot of this in s- that was subtext in Clerks is like the text of Chasing Amy, and I'd be curious how I feel about that in 2020. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah, we'll, we'll rewatch it, because I have not vi- revisited it as an adult, and I, I know it's got problems. Everybody knows it has problems, but I still have this huge soft spot for it. Yeah. Um, and then the final question was favorite movie that's clearly a student project. You could also say like first movie that you think is really good if anyone's got one. I really like Evil Dead. I recently watched that. Evil Dead's fucking great. Evil Dead fucking rules. Uh, I know I have more answers to this. Hold on. Let me think. What's the name of the Robert Rodriguez movie? It's not Desperado. It's. Oh God! Is it Desperado? Is it, is it El Mariachi? Is that it? I think it's El, El Mariachi. Mariachi. I remember thinking that movie was just tops. Uh, that's fair. That's fair. I um, gosh, uh, I'm trying to think of all the directors I really like, and I feel like their first movies is always like, I don't know, I don't know about this one. <laughs> I really like. I Bob feel Rocket. like David Lynch is. Sorry. I always bottle rocket. Oh, bottle rocket. I really, really like bottle good. rocket. Yeah, bottle but rocket's great. I think it's better than a lot of uh, was Anderson's like later films. Honestly, um, yeah, I I agree now uh, for sure. I mean, I liked it at the time. I just uh, I feel like it's grown in my memory over time. Uh, Dark Star is really good. That's John Carpenter's first movie. It's really oh, fucking that is funny. a good movie. Yes, <laughs> that is a great movie. I was gonna say a lot of David Lynch's early stuff still has a strong sense. He's still doing the same thing. Uh, that's true. I mean, yeah, David Lynch has David Lynch has never stopped posting. <laughs> <laughs> that's very true. Um. So yeah, uh, that's it for questions. Again, uh, podcast at normalmapping.com. Next time we are going to be watching Night of the Hunter, the 1955 film directed by Charles Lawton. Uh, this movie fucking rules. I'm excited to rewatch it because it's good. It's also 92 minutes. You can find it where any fine video products are found online. It's popular enough you can get it anywhere. I don't know if it's streaming anywhere. I didn't check. I'm like, I know how to get this. You know how to get this. You know how to get this. All right. Yeah. Plugs Destiny. I am at Fridge Buzz now everywhere. And then you can find my other podcast, Badland Girls, at abnormalmapping.com slash Badland Girls. Jackson. You can find me at headfallsoff on twitter.com. You can find the podcast that me and M do at abnormalmapping.com. There's a bunch of cool, good ones there. Listen to them. You should listen to Abnormal Mapping. It's our game club. We're doing Suikoden this month. That's true. We are. Uh, if you would like to find uh, our Patreon and support us, you can do that. Patreon.com slash Mapping. For $1 a month, you get the Great Gundam Project. We are watching uh, Gundam X uh, with Austin Walker, a friend of the show, and uh, Ghost of Shell Standalone Complex second gig, the second season of that show. It's been very good so far. We're one weekend. I can't say that for sure. Um, but I, that's been really fun. Um and uh, it's great. Uh, if you want to find me on Twitter, you can do that, EM underscore being. If you'd like to find me on a podcast that's not on this network, I'm on Newbie, which is a Ruby uh, crit- critical commentary show about every <laughs> new episode of new, uh, Ruby, uh, which is the Rooster Teeth fake anime that is still airing uh, inexplicably. Uh, you can find that at exportodd.io. Um, 
you know, that's Nora's podcast, but I, I do show up every week to talk about uh, Ruby now. So it's good. That's it. Um, until next time, movies, now more than ever. Don't expect to like them.